0: lot of interesting creative awesome people mostly in the Kansas City area but also showing you letting you into their world and into my world and uh, recommending all of our favorite things from pop culture things that inspire us things that we love things that we're stoked on Um, uh, up top uh, we have a great guest and we're going to get to him in just a second Um, but up top I wanted to uh, address something Uh, if you follow The podcast on social media, uh, on Facebook, would recommend podcast or on Instagram at would recommend pod. Uh, I teased um, an episode with uh, Secondhand King, who's a great guy, uh, Joe Stanziola. Um, And I just wanted to uh, address that um, that episode due to uh, some unforeseen. Uh, technical issues has unfortunately been lost um, and I greatly apologize to Joe um, for um, uh, but I also thank him for giving uh, me his time and uh, it was a great episode really wish uh, you guys could hear it but um, fortunately uh, I've been told that there's no way of really Getting that back. I hope to have Joe back in the future sometime because he was really great to talk to. Really great guy. Uh, definitely check his music out. His album Frankie um, was recently named like one of the best albums of the decade by um, 909 The Bridge. And I totally agree with that. Like one of the best local albums of the decade. Um, Joe makes really cool, interesting, uh, what he calls a doo-wop rap kind of um incorporating doo-wop and soul into hip-hop music so definitely check out secondhand king and like i said i hope we can get him back on in the future um but we have a great uh guest here today and i'm very excited to talk with him uh we've known each other for i would say two three years now um through pink royal um which uh, my first guest, Josh Durrell, um, is in with him, um, as well as a few other musical projects. And also, he's just become a really good friend and is a great guy to t- chop it up with, which is what we're going to do today. I'd like to welcome my good buddy Vic G, Vic Goberdrajan, to the show. What's
1: up, man? Hey, man, how you doing?
0: Good. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. I'm. You, know, you were one of the first people, obviously, uh, when I thought of this podcast idea that i wanted to have on because like josh like josh and i do we you know you and i are y- usually talking about you know of uh, uh, our interests uh, you know music and movies and sports and things like that not not really gonna well th- there will be some sports talk actually on oh. one of the picks Absolutely. um but uh yeah you're always you're a great conversationalist and i wanted to uh also showcase all of your your musical projects. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Um. so um, let's talk about you for a little bit. Um, sure you you're a man of many bands <laughs> right now <laughs> that i am yes uh yes.
1: you're how many are you in three now yeah three full-time projects three right now three
0: full-time um, uh, pink royal obviously who we d- discussed uh, mm-hmm. definitely check them out you guys have a couple of songs we do we got a couple singles soon. we're
1: working on should be ready to release sometime this fall
0: mm-hmm. maybe next spring and then vic g trio which is your kind of Yes. The one one that you helm. You're kind of the front man of that with uh, our buddies Danny Pete and Jeremiah. uh,
1: What's Jeremiah's last name? Scott. Jeremiah Scott. (laughs) Shout out Jeremiah. He goes by Jeromeo, preferably.
0: (laughs) Which is like, how would you describe that
1: That's. It's definitely... jazz inspired piano rock yeah where i'm a huge ben folds fan but Mm. i also love herbie hancock and steely dan so it's there's a lot of fusion in there there's a lot of funky more groovier elements than your typical piano rock writers Mm -hmm.
0: but yeah uh very very cool stuff uh that i'm really into with vic g trio do some you have great originals but i love the covers you guys have some really (laughs) unique covers yeah yeah that actually that like work really well
1: like yeah, um, we, we try to pull off things that would be perceived outside of our comfort zone as much as we can. We'll go into, like, folk stuff. We'll go into kind of, you know, like, more upbeat funk stuff. We'll, we'll cover like a massive uh, attack song, you know. Yeah, stuff you like do... That. Um, uh, the Gap Band song. Yeah, one. outstanding. Yeah, yeah so
0: yeah, good. which yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I had actually never heard that song until you guys did it, and nice. I love that song now. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And that. then you do uh, Swimming Pools by Kendrick
1: Lamar. Oh team, yeah, which is gotta also. throw some hip-hop in there. Yeah, man. yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you're also in Dylan Guthrie and the Good Time Guys, which actually, as of this recording, mm-hmm. last night um, our good buddy Dylan um, is actually going away to Spain for a year and um he had a bit of a going away party which was basically a dylan guthrie and the good time guys and friends show in lawrence um where we most of us went to college um and i was lucky enough to get to go and uh that was super fun you guys
1: yeah man thanks for coming that was a
0: awesome cast of talented musicians up there a lot of dudes With
1: a lot of talent up there. Truly, yeah, yeah, man. We were were talking about it after the show, and we were like, I think Dylan Moving is about to put, like, 12 guys out of work. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, Damon and Kurt are going to be fine. Damon and uh, Parker and Kurt Kurt Wheeler Wheeler from uh, the MGDs, uh, which are uh, also another great local band, like, uh, definitely, like, a funk soul kind of band with a big horn section. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check them out. And then, but yeah, like uh, John Ole Bowden. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Hartman from Pink Royal as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yourself. Who am I missing? Uh, Sh-
1: Nathan Showalter was
0: up yeah, there. Yeah, Nathan Showalter okay. from a myriad of different local mm-hmm. acts. Um, Cody Stuber was yeah, up Yeah, Cody there. Stuber, and our buddy, um, percussionist and background singer. But yeah, it was just a super fun time. You guys. Played some awesome, some of Dylan's awesome originals and uh, some really cool covers as well. Mm-hmm. Your superstition cover, I think, was the best I had ever heard. It. Yeah, we felt yeah. very
1: pocketed that night. Yeah, yeah. And
0: Damon <laughs> like ripped off an amazing organ solo he on did, that song. Yes yeah, he did. Um, but yeah. Um, anything you want to plug for? Y- I know you, uh, Victory Trio, has got a big date coming up, right?
1: Yeah, we got a uh, Friday, August thirtieth at the Rhino. That'll be uh, part of middle of the map film fest, mm-hmm. um, so that'll be a pretty big show. And mm-hmm. then uh, for Pink Royal, we're playing. It's officially announced now, so we can talk about it publicly. Uh, October twenty fourth at Record Bar with Hembry and Mating Ritual. That's gonna be and a that's great be a big, show. Big yeah. show. Yeah,
0: very excited for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, middle of the map. They're kind of doing things differently this year. Mm-hmm. They're like having music with the film festival, but also having the regular music fest and they pushed everything back it's yeah, kind of yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Um very excited for the the music festival as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Snail Mail who I'm a big fan of. Oh yeah. Yeah, there it's like well it's basically like one uh young lady uh Lindsay something um but she has like a backing band and it's very like she was, like, 17 when she wrote the songs for the album. She's, like, 18 or 19 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very almost 90s, like, Liz Fair, and, like, the, the girl with the guitar sort of mm-hmm. 90s throwback indie rock. Um, she articulates her feelings at 17, better than I do now at almost <laughs> 30 I think um, it's a great album I fell in love with that album and she's headline co-headlining with Clara who's another great uh, artist mm-hmm. and then also there's going to be a lot of great local bands at that too mm-hmm. so uh, we'll talk about that I think more as uh, we approach that mm-hmm. um, but shall we get into our picks let's do it all right um, you want to go first sure all right um you can talk about anyone we don't there's not a certain order do you want to which one do you want to talk about
1: well let's uh let's talk about all ashore all um, right yeah so mm. for for the album I, I went with all ashore by the punch brothers a band that i really only got into probably like a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um thoroughly i was always a big chris Thile fan yeah man um, he's, he's a virtuoso truly yeah, yeah. I mean, probably one of the most phenomenal musicians in the world yeah um but yeah we uh Mean some friends i got to see them at kaufman center last year last spring and i was just blown away yeah by how phenomenal we were in the very back at the very top and they uh they ended the show on a completely off the mic no pickups uh version of their song called Familiarity which is like this 10 minute masterpiece
0: I've seen video of that before yeah, yeah. and
1: I, I mean I was truly just like you know goosebumps for two and a half hours but especially those last 10 minutes it was it was phenomenal so this mm-hmm. this album came out last spring and, and they were they're plugging that and yeah I just think that it's one of the most complete perfectly put together concept albums there is mm-hmm. um, with some of the most stellar musicianship yeah by five incredible seriously. musicians seriously
0: yeah. So they're sort of a bluegrassy band, but they're not like. Th- how would you describe? it? It's not like straightforward like bluegrass that you would really think of.
1: Yeah, I I think of it more as, you know, modern folk. Yeah. Um, yeah, mo- yeah. Modern Americana folk that has these elements of bluegrass, even you know, jazz and 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 just sort sort of all sorts of stuff and pop i mean really you know yeah they're they're, they're pretty his voice is hard to kind of strave away from the pop
0: genre actually the way that i got introduced to them um did you ever watch the av club's uh, av undercover series
1: yeah i, I have did
0: he do yeah. one of the covers they the punch brothers did too oh. um which is how I got into them. They did Reptilia by The Strokes. Oh, nice.
1: I've seen that one. Yeah, that's right. That's anybody
0: right. that knows me um, knows I'm a huge Strokes fan, which is a great cover. And they also did um, Just What I Needed by The Cars, nice. which is really good. That's and super. so I got into them through that and then kind of went and listened to their um, original stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the band consists of Chris Thiele, uh, Gabe Witcher, uh, Noam mm-hmm uh Chris Eldridge, and Paul Coart, Um and so there's like banjo, acoustic guitar, upright bass, mandolin, which Chris Thiele plays, and he's like probably the best mandolin player in the world. I mean, I don't know a lot of other mandolin players, but Nor do I. I would say <laughs> I, w- I
1: would back that that claim <laughs>
0: just by <laughs> what I've seen from him. That guy is incredible. And then there's a uh, fiddle as well. So, um, when what's like your history with the album? Did you just like did you uh listen to it like as soon as it came out how did you and was it the first album from the punch brothers that you had listened to
1: it was not um i I got into them like i said like a year and a half ago and Mm -hmm. i just started really listening to a lot of their music specifically that what was at the time their current most recent album phosphorescent blues Mm -hmm. Um, and i think a lot of people recognize that album songs like julep and uh, My Oh My or Magnets. Uh, they did a lot of those songs on their NPR Tiny Desk concert. Yeah, which um, is great. Super, super yeah. good. Um, really good example of how great they are if you want to get into them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then shortly after that, they released All Ashore. So I was like, oh, they have a new album, sweet. And I just started listening and I was blown away. You know, mm-hmm. every, every time I'm just like in my car at home listening to it, I was just, you know, getting that tingle up my spine that was like, hey, this is amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and well, you're a songwriter. Uh, has has this influenced how you make music at all? Do you think?
1: Um, a little bit, I'd say. I mean, I, I, I at least I try to put even more of me or thought or just anything behind, you know, uh, s- some sort of like specific direction and intent with what I'm doing. Rather than I, I feel like I'm, I'm sometimes I'm still a little naive and and what i'm trying to convey or how i'm going about conveying it mm-hmm. um and these guys definitely make me feel like all right you need to you need to be a big boy now <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah there's there's definitely some like mature like complex like musicianship in a lot of what they do mm-hmm. um let's see here do you, any like highlights any uh of like songs
1: that you really love and reasons why the the title and opening track of the album might be my favorite opening track of any album ever. Oh really. Really. I mean it, it sets the mood perfectly for this this masterpiece, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um the the next song as well, um, Angel of Doubt it's it's in seven four for you music nerds and he he, he spits bars over the last like minute of it <laughs> and that i mean he's, he's just rapping in in seven which is already a hard enough thing to do yeah but i mean you, you some people might not consider it rapping but i do <laughs> um but yeah no i mean on, honestly track track for track it's everything's really well done and it flows into like from one track into another incredibly well um i'm trying to think do you have the track listing? Yeah, yeah. Just look at this mess. Another great song, "Jumbo," um, which is so. Th- so the whole album is kind of a uh, a commentary on like going through relationships in today's political climate, and mm-hmm. "Jumbo" is a very not so subtle shot at our current president. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I remember when they played that live, and they they kind of. Paused in the middle of this song and went through this hilarious little bit just about like some metaphor about squirrels and then eventually getting to like you know the fat orange one that's <laughs> super arrogant <laughs> and um, yeah no it was it was phenomenal but that that that's a song that really takes a shot at him um, yeah sorry what was your question <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh just like highlights and reason highlights like tracks of tracks that you love and why but yeah th- th- I think that was. Mm-hmm. A great answer. Um, have you seen the documentary about them? I've not. No. What is the it, documentary? Uh, it's called How to Grow a Band. It, it's like when they first started out and kind of. Um, Chris Thiele, Thiele was in uh, Nickel Creek, mm-hmm. which is another sort of bluegrassy band when he was younger, and um, it's kind of like how he went from that to forming the Punch Brothers. Mm-hmm. It it was on it was on. Um, when netflix first started their streaming platform oh really it was on there like it like originally it hasn't been on there i don't think for several years but i watched it several years ago on that mm. um and that's kind of another way that i i was introduced to them but yeah that's a really um it also um kind of goes through uh them preparing and then eventually going on their first tour and um right after their first album had been released so mm. like um just kind of how literally the like the title says like how the band like grew into what they became and mm. it's yeah it's a really cool behind the scenes especially him he's a very fascinating guy he's just truly so man yeah <laughs> and he does um he hosts a... Uh, like Prairie Home Companion type show. Yeah, or it it's it's essentially the new version of the yeah. show called Live From And he's like, he's like a very funny, irreverent guy, too. So he's yeah, like... Absolutely. Yeah, very um, multi-talented in that way. Yeah, he's a very interesting character. Um, but all those guys are amazing musicians, and they definitely form this great,
1: you know... Brotherhood, honestly. Yeah, brotherhood, yeah. yeah, musical, brotherhood,
0: yeah. yeah musical brotherhood. Um so yeah, totally check out Punch Brothers. Any other thoughts on them?
1: They're the best. Check <laughs> them out. <laughs> yeah, they they're really great. Yeah. Um you you don't have to you don't have to like folk or bluegrass or, or no, country not or at whatever. All. You know, yeah. you don't have to like any specific genre that is that way to be able there's to appreciate what they do. There there's a huge way of appeal. Yeah, like yeah, a huge like
0: pop, pop, huge pop of inflection on mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um yeah, so check out Punch Brothers and all ashore for sure. Uh a so grammy it won a grammy it did it won so, the yeah i
1: think it was the first time they won the like best folk album i
0: believe so yeah <laughs> all right um so yeah check that out and i'm going to talk about my album uh it's definitely less of a deep cut <laughs> than yours <laughs> might might be a little bit more basic but no, i mean not it's not. one of the it's one of the great albums, oh. I think, ever recorded. Absolutely. The, one of the most perfect collections of music ever recorded by, and this word gets way overused in my opinion, but by a true genius. Mm-hmm. And that is Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Um, double album that was released on septem- September 28th, 1976 on Motown. Yeah. Um, a lot of songs that you love are on this album. Um, <laughs> Sir Duke, which I think is one of the most joyful, amazing songs. Oh yeah! If you're not in a good mood after you listen to that, you have something seriously yep. wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Isn't She Lovely, which is about um, his daughter mm-hmm. being born. And actually, her cries are on the yeah. album, which yeah. is really neat. Yeah. Um, I Wish... Which everybody knows.
1: Just another song that's like, if you if you don't feel a little better after listening yeah, to it, a little more seriously. upbeat or have a little more pep in your step. Uh huh. Village Ghetto
0: Land. I mean, this is a double album, yeah. and like every song is perfectly in its right place. Even the deeper like ballad cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, as is another one that people would know I was just if bumping they, that on the way if here. they heard it's, it. Oof. Yeah. God. Um. Coolio would not have a career without Stevie Wonder. Mm. Pastime Paradise was sampled for Gangsta's oh, that's Paradise. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. melody of, mm. of like the chorus, basically, and the da, 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 <laughs> that part. I mean, yeah. Coolio made a career off Stevie Wonder. Stevie
1: Wonder <laughs> gave <laughs> us the best part about all that. Yeah, seriously. Keenan Kel. Keenan Kel. Yeah, <laughs> whoops. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, Pastime Paradise is like a deeper cut, and people don't know. Like, I mean, not that Gangsta's Paradise is like a significant song <laughs> in the history of music, but like, a lot of people like it, right. and like a lot of people don't know that Stevie Wonder is a big part of that mm-hmm. song. Oh, and also, um, the hook on Wild Wild West by that's Will right. Smith that's is that's I, I wish, wish yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. guy's a legend and people um borrow from him a lot oh (laughs) but um what i love about this uh i think i talked about this with josh actually um i talked about astral weeks by van morrison Mm. and um a really significant thing in my musical informing my musical taste was when my family would go on my parents have really good um musical taste mm. uh, which definitely helped form mine um and we would go we would go on like driving road trip family vacations uh mostly to colorado we had a cabin in colorado mm. um and they back in the days of cassettes and cds they would go to the store uh before our like a music store before our um vacation and they would get like a greatest hits of a certain artist that they liked or just like an actual album and they got a Stevie Wonder greatest hits Mm. and um, and they also got a Van Morrison greatest hits and listening to those two really I mean those two guys are two of my favorite artists Mm -hmm. of all time and just sitting in the back seat and listening to those greatest hits albums really informed My current like musical taste i distinctly remember the one song that really made me fall in love with stevie wonder on that greatest hits is the opening track to songs in the key of life love is in need of love today Mm. the opening ooze that yeah yeah. just like how beautiful that was and the message of that song and the melody of it um that's like one of my all-time favorite songs and when I finally delved into listening to all of songs in the key of life, mm. when I saw that was the opening track, I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna love this. <laughs> um, but also, like Sir Duke is another one of my all time favorite songs. It's it's a love letter to music, basically, oh yeah, yeah just about um, Duke Ellington and Count Basie and all of like the jazz greats mm-hmm. that he was, he's influenced by and um, loves. And the horns on that are, like...
1: Iconic, honestly. Yeah, you and know? just,
0: like, instant, like, antidepressants. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, do you have, like, a history with this album or, like, with Stevie? Like, do you remember, like, when you first started listening to him? Um, You're a pa- piano guy, so... Yeah,
1: you know. I, I got into Stevie later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into a lot of my, m- you know, current bigger influences later mm-hmm. in... in in my musical life i guess where you know i was listening to a lot of like singer songwriters ben folds um and then bands like the shins and guster in high school Mm -hmm. and then come college i was getting into more of the you know funk pop jazz fusion circles so Mm -hmm. a a lot of those those stevie songs really came to me and there then i would actually like try to play them and dissect them and stuff like that and i was like wow this guy's doing everything yeah super well (laughs) um and, uh, no, I mean, you know, I I think he's become one of my biggest influences now, especially where I try to write for, you know, full bands with horns and, and yeah. more funkier guitar lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just got it. He just knew how to write a song and then put a great backbeat behind it with a great groove and just a catchy you know horn section and and all all the right stuff seriously (laughs) yeah
0: just yeah i I, i'm sure he had a big hand in like right i'm sure i bet he because he had like a full band of like session players that are on this album who are all amazing Mm -hmm. um but i'm sure he had a big hand in like writing the parts
1: for all the for sure stuff. i mean he himself plays like most of the instruments that yeah he, you know there's a lot of songs that he just played all the instruments on if not yeah know, 90 percent of them yeah um
0: like prince as well like exactly yeah yep, yeah yep. um so do you i mean uh it's there's a lot of songs to choose from do you have any any favorites that we haven't really talked about
1: on here you want to on songs in the key life yeah um Let me see here. There's just so many. (laughs) I know. I mean, we've kind of named the the big ones that really, you know, Sir Duke is just such a celebration of music, as as Mm -hmm. we kind of already said. But it it really can't be overstated how great it is. Right. Um, Um... um.
0: Another one that I, I'd like to talk about is uh, Village Ghetto Land, mm. which um, has this genius juxtaposition um, of the music and the lyrics. Um, it's The song is about, uh, well, like the opening line is, uh, would you like to go go with me uh, to my village ghetto land? Um, and it's just talking about, like, you know, the, the all of the issues in you know, the inner cities of this country, which, you know, Stevie definitely writes about, a lot about socio-political mm-hmm. issues and trying to help people and um, sort of, the you know, the, the ills of the world that need to be corrected. Um, but it's juxtaposed, it, they're, they're synth strings, so it's not like full, uh, full orchestra, mm-hmm. but with this om- almost like classical very opulent sort of sounding like um, uh, music behind it. So it's kind of a juxtaposition of like him talking about people like in poverty with music that a lot of people would associate with like high society or high class. And to me, I don't know if this is true, but like I definitely think that that was like a choice like that he made like a like a distinct choice that he might have made like
1: oh I'm sure yeah yeah. yeah. I mean I think like most of the entire album of, uh, of inner visions is is a huge socio political absolutely you know? yeah um, so he was he was not afraid to get into that which is another reason why you know the dudes he spent his career being at the top of the R&B and pop game and he wasn't afraid to make statements and totally and and, you know say hey like we as a society have a lot of things that we need to address and think about
0: yeah definitely um Um, he yeah uh and this songs in the key of life came in one of the great just periods of any american artist ever Mm -hmm. like he won um but He won Album of the Year at the Grammys three out of four years, and the only time he didn't win was because he didn't, make he didn't it. release yeah. an album That's that cause, year. That's because I think uh, Paul Simon, Paul Simon won, won it, and he like famously yeah. said, he
1: was like, I'd like to thank Stevie Wonder for not making an album this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> so which is baller. great, yeah.
0: But yeah, um, before this was uh, Fulfilling Goodness's first fin- first finale in 1974, which is another great album. And then I believe Inner Visions was the next one mm-hmm. uh, a couple years after Songs in the Key of Life. And um, yeah, just like, you know, one of the all time great periods, I think, for any artist in pop, pop music history. Just oh, yeah. who knows what, you know, just the the what he was inspired by. But like. Just. It just shows like true genius that he would have so much to say for just like most of the 70s and just m- be able to make music that, you know, I, I think those three albums definitely are like very cohesive mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, there, there's definitely d- he, he definitely changes it up where it's like fresh on each one and there's definitely an evolution i definitely think um songs in the key of life is a is the high point mm. uh intervisions is great too oh yeah. um but the fact that this is a double album yeah intervisions is pretty short honestly what's I it think. 10 songs yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah ten songs. i mean compared to this well, it's yeah. really <laughs> short um it might even be like nine um But to have this as a double album and then have every song just be fire. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) And just, like, have it perfectly fit. I mean, people don't listen to albums anymore, but there's something to be said about, like, to have that full statement, to be – to have it be that long Mm. and to have each album fit in its perfect place on that. And, like, yeah, it's – just listen to it i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's stevie wonder like i shouldn't have to like sell it too hard yeah yeah. sell it too hard (laughs) but i I want to um any other thoughts on that dude's
1: the goat he's the greatest Mm, yeah yeah.
0: i hope uh he came here a few years ago and it sold out really quickly and i really wanted to go see him and wasn't Mm. able to i hope he goes on tour at least one more time you know and comes here because i'd i'd love to see him live Mm -hmm. um but yeah uh josh and i talked about this on the first episode a little bit but yeah value these amazing legends musical legends and geniuses while we still have them stevie is truly a treasure to the world to films or television
1: uh you tell me what's your pick up next um let's do television lighten things up a yeah. bit from my end
0: <laughs> yeah uh this pick when he told me it was not at all a surprise to me You absolutely love this show. I like it a lot too, but not as much as you. I don't think anybody (laughs) loves it as much as you. What's what's your show?
1: (laughs) Only 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 a whole lot of bad people like it as much (laughs) as me. Um, My my pick for television is "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," and uh, I I told Nick. (laughs) <laughs> I told you when we when I first picked it I was like I can I can pick something serious if you want and you were like dude it's, it's authentically you to pick this yeah. show so it wouldn't be, let's do it wouldn't this be show true man true to yourself exactly if you didn't
0: pick this exactly. yeah like I think it wasn't this past birthday party at your place that you had um a few weeks ago but it was the year before I think where like you just had it on yeah. at the house <laughs> yeah. as we were just like talking yeah. and yeah having beers and stuff yeah. in my element like yeah i was like you know what's gonna make me
1: 100 <laughs> percent happy from 99 percent? but it's always sunny in the background of i don't know
0: place. i don't even know if the sound was on <laughs> probably not <laughs> i think
1: i just like put it on put the subtitles on and muted it and then i was like all right guys <laughs> hope you're so. enjoying this as much <laughs> as me <laughs>
0: yeah so the show has been on for quite a while it's like yeah one of the longest it's running comedy shows of all time yeah i believe this
1: next so they're working on their 14th season right now which will be released next month in september and um that should make them the longest running sitcom of all time that's I insane believe. yeah they've been going so go since from 2005.
0: like where how the show started which we'll get into in a yeah. little bit mm-hmm. um but for anybody that hasn't seen it or doesn't know where it is can you give a little a little breakdown
1: <laughs> sure yeah so it's uh it's just a a darker situational comedy uh based around a group of narcissistic bar owners Mm -hmm. who just get into shenanigans all the time in Mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Um, and I think it's a pretty good representation of modern American arrogance and (laughs) narcissism and, uh, a lot of, you know, just the worst qualities of people in, in high society coming out through, uh, through humor. And I, I, you know me. I mean, I, I always transcend through pain and, and emotional turmoil or yeah. sadness or whatever it is through comedy as much yeah. as I can. And this show nails it on the head for every single thing they get into, whether it's, you know, poverty or, or mm-hmm. abortion or, yeah. <laughs> or government. They or all, all. a lot
0: of... of uh, yeah, issues head on <laughs> a lot of uh, controversial issues head on. Yeah, and sure what I like about it is each character is a different type of terrible person. Yep, <laughs> yep, a very uniquely different type of terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, probably the most famous person on the
1: show is Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. um, and he only joined the show the second season. Oh yeah. yeah. So he wasn't on the first season, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, I personally I think that the first season stands up to all the other ones just as well. I mean, their their writing and their performance and delivery and everything, and just the the you know groundwork they laid for all the character development for all the future seasons was mm-hmm. impeccable. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dan Devito gets you know added to the cast second season, and he just instantly takes it from like yeah. stellar to whatever is above that so yeah
0: it's like adding like an mvp candidate to an already like great team or something. it was it kevin durant
1: joining the warriors, the State warriors. Yeah. that's what it was <laughs> yeah
0: and then uh also like charlie days on it charlie days kind of become a star in his own right absolutely um he's he was in like the horrible bosses movies mm-hmm. um wasn't he one? like in pacific rim pacific rim yeah, 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 yeah which yeah. was Weird that he was in it, but he's he yeah. pretty good in it. Um, and then what's the one? He was in a movie with Ice Cube that was like. <laughs> what was it called? The Fight or yeah, something? Yeah. something like that, which I never saw. We but, all need um, a paycheck. Yeah. And then uh, Glenn Howerton, who's got his own, or hat well, uh, AP Bio is, I guess, still gonna he, be uh, a show. It, the show. The
1: NBC canceled it from yeah their you know television broadcast but it's going to be part of the nvc universal streaming network yeah so
0: and Patton oswalt's on that yeah one of my one of my favorites mm-hmm. um and then rob McElhaney uh plays mac and his wife uh caitlin olson who briefly i think had her own show on fox yeah called the mick yeah. yeah um uh, that is the the main cast um but yeah, um do you have any favorite episodes off the top of your head? I mean, there's a lot to choose
1: from. Yeah, there's there really are just so many mm-hmm. to choose from. Um I think one of the uh one of the classics is called The Gang Buys a Boat. Yes. And it is uh, known as the uh um Is that the Rumham? The Implication episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where, where Dennis is trying to explain this uh very dark and horrific concept of the implication to Mac and it's I'm not going to go into further detail because <laughs> I want you to have happy viewers but um, <laughs> just check it out yeah. if you feel like having a good laugh and you're able to step outside of your own uh, personal conditions is
0: that the Rumham episode no is
1: that it? is um that is the gang goes to Jersey Shore okay yeah <laughs> that's that's Wait, the first the time boat that you one see where they
0: keep listening to Steve Winwood
1: um yeah well okay. they, they are yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh another another great one is it, it's it's one of the later seasons i think season eight or nine nine i believe and uh it's called the gang desperately tries to win an award and it's a shot at the uh the emmy association oh. of because honestly they've been one of the most consistent, hard-hitting television series is their whole tenure and Mm -hmm. you know you see a lot of just like more kind of basic catering to midwest america television win awards um you know i won't name any names but they they definitely take a lot of shots at just the thought process that goes into like you know, grading your modern comedies and stuff like that. I'll throw a shot. Yeah,
0: I'll just say Bazinga.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, Bazinga. <laughs> oh my goodness, and uh, that's they—they take—they take a couple shots at, at classic sitcoms. I was a
0: podcast where uh,
1: it's like a weird, like comedy,
0: but like conspiracy theories and like weird, like darker, like c- true crime stuff. <laughs> and this comedian on it was like. <laughs> He wasn't serious at all, but he was like, "What if bazinga is like a deep covert like brainwashed like word from the c i a or
1: something? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that would that would be i mean hey if they if they go through c b s to do that it <laughs> yeah. only makes sense
0: um so I have to admit, um I definitely uh, used to watch this a lot w- mm-hmm. with a lot more regularity but um, as it's gone on I've kind of I still watch it occasionally if it's on um, especially if they after they moved it originally from like regular FX yeah to FXX yeah yeah which I'm not quite sure where that is on my TV dial uh, yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> Under but um, I I haven't watched it with as much regularity the last several seasons but um what mo- two episodes that stick out to me are um the i think it's the gang goes wrestling or the the wrestling uh, one
1: uh, wrestles for the troops yeah wrestles yeah. for the <laughs> yes, troops, yeah.
0: which is a pretty <laughs> early episode um yeah. but yeah that one is hilarious mm-hmm. i just always quote danny devito and then i start eating the garbage yeah i'm the trash man yeah, the trash <laughs> man <So> silly um <laughs> And then another one is, I think it's called um, Charlie and Mac Fake
1: Their Death, Part 1. Oh, yeah, Charlie and Mac Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah Part, part 1, yeah, yeah. which is a good <laughs> one.
0: Um, I just always think
1: of the scene where they run the car into the wall. And Mac yeah, we're Mac. Knocks himself unconscious yeah. and
0: Charlie just freaks out. He
1: like definitely has a concussion. Yeah. And then by the end of it they're like in a pawn shop and he's he's like buying a wedding dress. And yeah. He insists on buying it. Yeah. It's it's so good. It's it's definitely a show for those who might not think they're into it or haven't seen it at all. If you like Seinfeld or Kerb your enthusiasm mm-hmm. or Frasier, you're gonna love this show. Yeah. It's I always describe it as the modern day tvma version of seinfeld because seinfeld just like it is about a group of friends all of them really just thinking about themselves right and just you know it's the show about nothing but it's it's yeah. every episode is just just them getting into silly shenanigans
0: and um another thing that i like about it is which i think a lot of great comedy shows do this uh, i think of the simpsons mm. they do this a lot the when the episode starts you think it's going to be about one thing right. and then it completely takes a right turn. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that's yeah. really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cuz yeah, you never know what's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if you haven't seen Always Sunny, there's there's a lot to watch, so Truly, um yeah. definitely check that out. It's one of the great comedies of the last I don't know going on many years have they done it? since
1: it'll be fourteen, fifteen 15 years, years yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah wow um yeah definitely check it out it's hilarious mm-hmm. and definitely brings up a lot of uh a lot of uh issues and uh <laughs> <laughs> definitely tackles them in, in interesting and funny ways truly which i think the best comedy does absolutely
1: yeah. i mean they they uh their most recent season, the 13th season, they were undergoing a lot of like writing staff changes and that nobody was sure that like Glenn Howerton was going to return because AP Bio was going all right the time. Even Caitlin Olsen's, you know, the Mick had just gotten canceled before season 13 was released. Mm-hmm. So but she was shooting it the whole time and they didn't really know what the future of the show was going to look like. But even then, they have some of the most fire episodes I've seen, particularly I think the third one is called Time's Up okay and i think you can get a sense of what that's about Mm -hmm. and i don't want to ruin anything but there's just this monologue from dennis at the end that is just so filthy and Mm -hmm. just so disgusting but so funny when you think about it and when you think about like you know how they're they're commenting on people that actually think like this you know what i mean Uh and i mean it's it's really brilliantly done every little part of it um so yeah check it out It's, it's the best
0: awesome um so the tv show i want to talk about is very very new just came out a couple weeks ago i think Mm -hmm. um it is called this is football and um like i've said i think i said on the first or on the second episode i'm a big sports fan um which we're gonna uh, i'm gonna have some uh Sportsy friends on, and this is a an invitation to you if you ever want to come on and talk sports for sure. a segment because I know we talk about. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have uh, hoping to have some uh, sportsy, sports minded friends on, sports fan friends on to uh, definitely include some sports segments into this show because that's a big part of my personality, as you know. <laughs> um, but the show I want to talk about is a docu series. That uh, it's an Amazon Prime original. They're doing some really cool programming these days. Um, and it's called This Is Football. I, I kind of hipped you to it because we're both big soccer fans, Absolutely. Uh, European soccer fans. And this is the show is a six part series. It's about an hour in length uh, for each episode about how um, soccer unites, uh, inspires, and uh, just kind of oz people um throughout the world Mm -hmm. and um i've seen every episode of it and it's really great um i couldn't recommend it enough uh you've seen a little bit of it right
1: yeah i watched uh basically the first two episodes yeah trying to still get through it but
0: the first episode is really powerful, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's so powerful. Yeah. It gets you in r- immediately, too, yeah. man. I mean, I, like, almost want us to start rooting for Liverpool because of it. Yeah, like
0: <laughs> really. Um, so the first episode um, is definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's uh, about this, uh, like, Liverpool fan club uh, in this village, in this particular village in Rwanda, Um, There's apparently a big Liverpool contingent um, Mm -hmm. in this village in Rwanda and it kind of juxtaposes their love for Liverpool and the joy they get from it from watching the team um, and kind of also goes back into the Rwandan genocide. And uh, every one of these people in the fan club was directly affected by that as most of the people in that country yeah. were in the 90s um, and uh, super emotionally charged. Um, I don't remember if you were, uh, like the last I don't want to spoil it, but like the last shot, basically, of the episode when they're uh trying to remember the the three guys get to oh yes
1: no i do when they're yep
0: yeah it's very emotional I was was definitely fighting back tears yeah um (laughs) and really that encapsulates why i love sports i love the emotion and the passion behind it Mm -hmm. and the fandom of it yeah and how it um can really it can really heal people like uh, as much as like music can and like a great like Story in a film or a book or something. Absolutely, sports can do that too. Because like, there's like drama in it as well, and you really grow to care about like the players on your team, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you feel like you're a part of a community. And these guys, um, you know, they're—I don't even know how far away from from where their favorite team is based, but right. they feel a deep connection mm-hmm. to this um one of the guys even named his son daglish after uh um, kenny daglish yeah. um who's like a liverpool legend mm-hmm. um yeah so um this yeah this in- encapsulates like everything why i'm a sports fan basically oh, yeah. um like the titles of the episodes are redemption belief chance mm-hmm. love pride and wonder um and the final episode i think was my favorite um it's it's the wonder episode and it's all about leonel messi yeah and yeah. his genius sure. on the pitch and how people around the world like um they interview this guy in syria who's like mm-hmm. a huge messi fan and like he gets his all of his friends together to watch all the barcelona matches mm-hmm and they they like interview different people around the world just about his like brilliance and then they it ba- like basically all of that is centered around like I think last year's La, um El Clasico the Real Madrid mm-hmm. Barca match mm-hmm. um and just shows like all of the amazing things he did in that match um but that one is just basically like I don't know, just like uh oh, like uh, not a love letter, but just like it's all about Messi and just like how amazing mm-hmm. he is, um, which is pretty cool. Um and it's
1: hard to fit how amazing he is in just sixty minutes. Right. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah.
0: But they also have like um they have like a mathematician on who's on a couple of the other episodes, like the Chance episode about, mm. like, how Chance is part of soccer more than a lot of other sports and right. how, like, things like mathematical anomalies can be more present in soccer than a lot of other... Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than other sports. Right. Um, But they had, th- like, the um ma- mathematician breaks it down, like, Based on the population of Argentina, like, <laughs> there would be a messy every, like, 79 years or something. Yeah. So, like, once per lifetime, okay. basically. No, that – 79 years is, like, the average, like, lifespan in Argentina, I think is what he said. Mm. But, yeah, they, like – they break everything down to a T of, like, what makes – or they try to, at okay. least, of what makes messy messy And then they go to, like, his – hometown in argentina and Mm. like his upbringing and stuff like that so that one i would say the first and the last episodes are great all of them are fantastic but those are my two favorites for sure and then there's another one about um iceland and their run to the last year's world cup Cup yeah and like how they were the smallest nation to ever qualify for it Mm -hmm. and the pride that those people have oh yeah in their country and that team yeah like, their former national team coach is was, like, a dentist
1: yeah, that's <laughs> for his right. day job. That's right. Yeah,
0: he wasn't even, like, the full-time coach. Almost
1: all those players, too, were, like, doing yeah. something, you know. Yeah, one yeah. is, like, a documentarian, and yeah. the other is,
0: like, a musician. There's only, like, <laughs> two or three guys in the Premier League, and then, yeah. like, one guy. Well, like, the Icelandic League, he like, doesn't pay enough no, yeah. to have that be your full-time job but like guilty secrets who plays for everton and mm-hmm. one other guy plays in the premier league mm. um but yeah what did you what did you think of the one episode that you saw
1: um i was uh, it it, it kind of just blew me away in that it just showed me yeah. how like small this world is you know yeah, what i mean definitely that a you know Post-genocide torn community in Rwanda is still able to come together and and just celebrate this English Premier League team. Yeah, you know? um, yeah, and it just it it, it kind of you know I I really connected to it because I feel like you said I mean a, a lot of those people if people are unfamiliar with the Rwandan genocide you know that you have two. Mm. Um, Warring tribes,
0: basically, or yeah, factions
1: yeah. I the mean, t- yeah, two two tribes that were really put, uh, pitted against each other mm-hmm. by Belgian, you know, colonials yeah. at the time, and 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 uh, in what the mid '90s, mm-hmm. which is crazy that it wasn't even that long I ago. Jeez, um, but yeah, and, and a lot of these, you know, a lot of these Liverpool fans in in this, what are they called? The uh, the Rwanda Reds, mm-hmm. um, they're you know some of them are Hutu's, some of them are Tutsis. like they they yeah but they still all just come together there's no there's no resentment there's nothing that's all forgiven because they come together and watch Mm -hmm. their favorite team play and and Mm -hmm. it kind of you know we're we're in kansas city we're you know right right in kansas and missouri where there's a lot you know obviously we're in america so it's it's different but there's still a lot of just like people coming from both sides of the political spectrum mm-hmm. yet still i get together and i'm able to go to arrowhead and sit next to some dude that probably doesn't think the world of me or maybe i don't think the world of him and right. we both celebrate patrick mahomes throwing yeah touchdowns you know i mean mm-hmm. I, that kind of thing and, and it just reminded me that there's a lot more than you know what we what we fight for in life you mm-hmm. know or
0: and that's like what everything that this podcast is about mm-hmm. like is is what that's what i want it to be like you know me i'm a very inclusive person i love hanging out mm-hmm. with with you guys like when you play a show yeah i love just yeah like being with with friends and family a lot um mm-hmm. uh, inclusivity just obviously in these times we we need <laughs> we need a lot more of that absolutely, and absolutely. yeah art and sport and literature i mean that's part of art but just Mm. like everything that we're going to talk about in this podcast just like brings people together yeah yeah it's things that they can you know come together and discuss and no matter like what your political views are whatever right right yeah um Totally watched. This is football. Mm-hmm. Another one. The second episode talks a lot about. Yeah, um, that's the one. I, I the that one too. Uh, 1999 Women's World Cup, It also includes um, some thoughts from uh, the current, some of the current players on the women's and like national team and the Japanese. The national Japanese, national, which was really interesting. Which I didn't. It know was a really lot cool because yeah. It,
1: yeah, it talks about you know just how dominant a- and all the work that our women in the '90s had to do mm-hmm. to come even just that far they had to literally like go through the streets and sell their team so that they could yeah. fill up the rose bowl yeah. for, you know with the world cup final and, and stuff like that yeah and then they're talking about you know you have the was it the 2011 uh japanese women's team that won the world mm-hmm. cup and those girls being inspired because like the, the oh, 90s the japanese team yeah
0: yeah 99 us women's team
1: yeah and yeah the, and they were talking about like coming over and training when playing in our women's league, so that they mm-hmm. could train with our women and then you know take that back, and then they yeah you know, of course they they won in 2011 and and what appeared to be a pretty great rivalry yeah <laughs> was, was yeah
0: you know, yeah I think it'll continue to be um, me too the Japanese team uh, this time around uh, in this past women's World Cup I think was a little bit weaker mm-hmm. than the past, but they're one of the, I think one of the leading they're at the forefront of the women's soccer Absolutely. movement. Um, so I think they'll definitely be back. And, again, support the NWSL if you didn't listen yes. to the last uh, podcast I talked for most of the episode about that. Um, Mad props, bro. Yeah. Seriously. I Those ladies are so inspiring, mm-hmm. so awesome. Um, but, yeah, this is – I love this show. It's great. I I love nothing more than sports. a sports documentary. Mm-hmm like (laughs) that's it's your bread and butter (laughs) above all else yeah and this is i think one of the best i've seen in years and years so um it's great all right you want to get into film
1: let's do it all right
0: what what's your pick
1: so my pick is a little film called in bruges i really like this
0: movie i actually came to this one late uh i only saw it a few years ago for the first time yeah and yeah it's awesome
1: it's, uh, yeah it's mm-hmm. it's the kind of movie uh, i think that will that you're able to watch it whenever in mm-hmm. your life wherever you are whenever however far out from right now but and, and you'll you'll be able to just be like that's that's a well done that's a well done piece of mm-hmm. film right there um I, I saw it for the first time in like high school and <laughs> i have this very distinct memory of uh of a a lot of people's reactions to something happening Near the climax of that movie, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and just coming in and being like, "What, what's happening?" I was like walking in the room and I was like, "Okay, I need to rewatch this movie," <laughs> and, uh, and then I did. Yeah, it's it's a dark comedy crime. Film, it kind
0: of uh, spans genres,
1: which it really is does. some of my favorite yeah. stuff in TV and film, yeah. Indeed, It, it uh, stars Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. um, and it's essentially about these two hitmen that are sent to Bruges um, a- after an assignment from their boss and yeah uh, that's that's about as good of an explanation yeah. as you'll need um, it's
0: really great some of the action set pieces are are great i mean there's not a ton of action in not it, too much say. yeah but um but enough you know, enough yeah. yeah um but i th- my favorite scenes from memory were uh just colin farrell and brendan gleason just talking about the situation they're in yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there's yeah.
1: a particular time where they're uh they're boating through a canal that's and colin thing. farrell is yeah. just just shitting on this <laughs> tiny little town of bruges belgium yeah. And brendan gleason is is this you know happy gold he's, he's tr- finding all these small things that he finds joy in just the architecture the history yeah. all these these small things that you know colin farrell is like he this hates, is this is dumb there. i'm young yeah. i want to be in a big city yeah like, you know Um and it's it's just a really really well well made it, it film. is yeah um,
0: and uh, directed by Martin McDonough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pointed this out before we started recording. Both of the director, or both of our films that we picked, um, we'll get to mine in a, a little bit. Um, it's their first film by yeah. the each of the directors. Exactly.
1: And both both wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, it's both their first, first work.
0: Yep. Um, I, I mean, yeah, we're definitely trying not to give away spoilers um (laughs) (laughs) but did this like was this did like this align with your taste or did it kind of shift your taste in film once you saw it i think
1: i think it it was a pretty big this film in particular was a pretty big shift for me in in really finding that i i love dark comedy Mm -hmm. you know Uh, you said
0: you watched it like late high school um for the first time it
1: would have been it would have been probably the year it came out. I think okay. two thousand eight, yeah. two thousand nine. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, you know, I I'm just watching it and I'm just thinking, just really, you know how how much I enjoy how they talk about a lot of the bad things happening in there mm-hmm. and, and how, how they go through those rotations and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's truly th- to to elaborate on the plot a little more without ruining anything. Mm-hmm. The the t- two guys uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleason's characters are sent to Bruges because Colin Farrell was given an assignment to uh, he had a hit out on a priest mm-hmm. and he completes the job but he accidentally kills a child um, during the thing so and he spends much of the movie th- you know contemplating yeah that this whole horrific thing that he's done right and, and um, in within that there's a whole lot of just really good reflection and development of this guy who's just going through his own turmoil of you know i mean he's a hitman so he's obviously not a great guy but like even then you're trying to find this light within him Mm -hmm. and uh you know you you see whether he's able to do that or not by the end and then you know you you meet all these great characters along the way and and ray fines comes in and (laughs) oh my gosh he's he's so phenomenal yeah He's, he's he's the best yeah he's so good yeah
0: um would you say this is Colin Farrell's best performance that you've seen?
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would confidently I would, say I that, would that is say so. it's his uh, best performance.
0: Brendan Gleeson is also great as Mad-Eye Moody mm-hmm. in the Harry Potter films. Um, and obviously, Ray Fiennes is Voldemort. Um, mm-hmm. Well, Ray Fiennes is good in everything. I know, yeah. He's got a huge career uh, that spans a long time. Um, but yeah, it's three great actors. Um very uh i would say not well it's not that unique there's a lot of like hitman movies but like the the way that it's kind of blends some comedic elements with that uh with like the the whole hitman aspect um it's yeah it's it's a great script and um the i i would say just watch it just for the scenes with brendan gleason and colin farrell together yes yeah it's awesome um any other thoughts on that before we move to my film um no all right check it out yeah it's great um i would say mine is sort of similar it's definitely a lot bloodier Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> um, given the
1: guy that wrote and directed it, but <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: this is not for the faint of heart. Uh, this film, uh, I'm going to talk about Reservoir Dogs, which I actually just rewatched. Um, I still have not seen Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, good, but I'm going to very soon. Um, but I had uh, an itch to rewatch some of Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino's early movies mm-hmm. uh, when that was. Coming out because there was a lot of like press on the on his career up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right, and right. things like that
1: because he yeah. made that he you know he made that statement that's like I'm gonna do ten movies and yeah. then retire or yeah. uh, call it quits yeah
0: um, I think this was number nine maybe yeah if yeah, you yeah. count like his actual films that he's written and directed yes, yeah, like yeah, yeah. he's written a few that he didn't direct and yeah. blah 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 um, but yeah Reservoir Dogs was his first uh film that he wrote and directed in 1992 mm-hmm. stars Har- Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, the late Chris Penn, uh, who's great in this All movie. Right. Uh Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, Michael Madsen, and Quentin Tarantino himself at the beginning of the movie. Pretty stellar cast for mm-hmm. your first <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um and uh the story behind this was he had this great script, was planning to make it, I think, for 30 grand. Yeah, 30 grand. And he was going to make like a little short film where Tarantino was going to be Mr. Pink, which is Steve Buscemi's character. And it was going to be like w- much shorter than it ended up being.
1: Hmm.
0: His producer, uh, Lawrence Bender, uh, was going to play a police officer chasing Mr. Pink and lawrence bender gave um, was in an acting class and gave uh the script to his acting teacher who knew harvey keitel's wife who <laughs> gave the script to harvey keitel's wife who gave it to harvey keitel wow. harvey keitel read it by complete chance you Goodness. know you know i'm sure actors like him get a ton of scripts and like don't read a lot of them, especially sure. if it's by this like no-name guy who works at a video store. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harvey Keitel reads it, loves it, immediately gets in touch with Tarantino. They get a bunch of financial backing behind it. Well, enough, you know, it's like I think it's one and a half million dollars, which ninety two was probably enough to make, you know, obvi- well obviously enough to make a good movie. Yeah. Um, and then they go to New York to hold casting sessions they get steve buscemi michael madsen and tim Roth, Jeez. and <laughs> yeah i mean harvey Keitel's in taxi driver too yeah oh yeah like he's, he's yeah i mean uh, yeah Har- harvey
1: Keitel by that point was already yeah pretty well, well established, established yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
0: and uh obviously like i said uh if you know quentin tarantino this movie's very violent um but it is of a singular voice i think like i was listening shout out to the rewatchables podcast from the ringer which i listen to a lot it's a movie podcast i think i talked about it i might have talked about it on the lost episode damn Um, i think you talked about it on
1: josh's because i I remember remember hearing you talk.
0: um they the um and I'll try not to cite that podcast. I'll mm-hmm. try to have my unoriginal ideas on <laughs> this, but um, they did a podcast once. Once upon a time in Hollywood uh, was released of uh, of uh, Reservoir Dogs because it's Tarantino's first movie, um, and they were talking about um just how you know the opening scene where they're talking about Madonna's like a virgin, yeah. How uh, uh, such a violent film can be interspersed with this, like, mundane dialogue about, like, weird pop culture stuff mm-hmm. is – was, like, obviously, like, so unique. Right. Like, and has uh, – one of the guys was talking about how it immediately informed how – like, the dialogue informed how him and his friends talked. And, like, hmm. about, like, weird pop culture stuff and, like, how they – Kind of um, just like form their lives around like the weird subverse, not subversive, but like the weird sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is, but like very niche pop culture things like Madonna's like a virgin and right. like just very specific things. Um, and it's all over Quentin Tarantino's movies, like black blaxploita- black exploitation movies, mm-hmm. like from the seventies are like throughout a lot of his movies, especially like Jackie Brown. Cause like Pam Greer was a huge star oh yeah. in the black exploitation films. Um, and like Kung Fu movies and all of the oh. like, um, like seventies R and B music that he's into, especially in this one, like the, famous scene with uh Steeler's wheel the stuck in the middle with yep. the I- yeah, yeah. yeah 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 um he just has a very singular mind and voice that are all over his movies and this was the first glimpse of it I mean I was like three years old when this came out but Perfect. like you can definitely looking back you can see this was like the first salvo or like the first shot of like this is my statement right here's how everything else is gonna go yeah 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 when's the last time you saw this movie
1: probably been like four or five years Mm -hmm. maybe longer yeah do you have anything that you remember about it off the top of your head i i was watching the first time i ever watched i watched it by myself yeah
0: and which uh, is probably a
1: good idea uh, yeah for (laughs) sure yeah
0: don't Um, watch it with like a, a significant others nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah Especially not a good like first day early movie. on in a relationship yeah. <laughs> i don't know i don't know who you, who, yeah you know, i mean but, it but might be cool <laughs> but yeah, I probably not statistically <laughs> probably not the best bet
1: <laughs> um and and i just remember actually yeah that i mean that first scene was pretty big but really the the choices he made for the ending sequence and how yes essentially the resolve of the movie and i thought to myself this is a dude that is way he he has already separated himself yeah. from the lot yeah. with with you know his his writing and, and direction choices yeah um yeah th- those are my those are my initial thoughts i i, I don't know I, j- I i love the movie i i should i love all of his movies though mm-hmm. so i mean
0: what I Yeah, another thing going back to like his style of like the weird dialogue with like pop culture references and just like mundane conversations into like intense violence. Like just like the first three scenes mm-hmm. are all you need. Like the first three scenes are like his thesis statement. You open, they're in a diner. It's before the heist is going to happen. Right. They're talking about Madonna and like not tipping steve bishimi's character doesn't (laughs) want to tip (laughs) right right and then they it's like the credit sequence they have the iconic like slow motion walk with the music you know they're all in the suits and the sunglasses and they're like walking slowly as a group it's the music and then immediately cut to tim roth bleeding out in the back of a car yep and harvey (laughs) kytelia yelling at him you're gonna be okay yep say the goddamn words (laughs) are you a doctor (laughs) (laughs) tell me are you a doctor yeah Yeah, and it's just like oh my
1: god like that's another big thing i mean where you you know you you realize what's happening in that opening sequence at the diner and then he doesn't give you what you want as the as a viewer you know what i mean which is you know you want to see the heist go down yeah and and that's a class yeah that's
0: spoiler alert but you don't see
1: the heist right right which
0: was a financial reason but also I don't really want to. Yeah, no. And it, yeah, I it's think it's better I think if you don't.
1: It might have even informed a lot of future choices he made in film yeah. just that that he's like, "Oh, look at that. I you know, you don't have to give them, you know, the the standard plate of w- what is expected. Mm-hmm. And instead you can actually have a lot of the action and dialogue hinge on what comes after.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird, too, because, uh, like, obviously in his later films, I think he shows violence a lot more. Mm. See uh, the end of *Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> early in his career, he his films would be very violent, mm-hmm. and this might have also been a financial thing with, like, effects or whatever. Sure. But, like, you don't see the actual violent acts being committed really right except for one i think in reservoir dogs yeah there's the yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's just like and obviously like um pulp fiction is a second movie which is i think the fully realized crystallized version of him this is like Mm -hmm. to equate it to one of my favorite music groups um i don't know if everybody will get this this is a tribe called Quest's first album pulp fiction is his low end theory like f- low end theory is like we're not gonna have a sophomore slump they have a fully <laughs> realized thing um the first one was just like the first one first album is great but like i don't know it's like a little uneven and like they're younger they have more time in the music biz. They know what they're doing. Uh, the whole team is on board. Q-Tip knows exactly what the, the song is going to be. But it, I think, like, Pulp Fiction was the movie he really had in mind all along. It was the movie – Reservoir Dogs was the movie that I, he had to make to make Pulp Fiction, mm. I think. I think it's mu- – I think it's – Probably his best movie. I think I prefer Reservoir Dogs for certain reasons. It's a little bit raw. And, like, there's more... I like people sitting around and acting and talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just me. And I think there's more of that in Reservoir Dogs. Um, But as far as, like, just quality, I think Pulp Fiction, obviously. Which is not a grand statement by any means. Yeah, I mean, but um, I think Pulp Fiction is um his like fully realized self yeah a- as well as probably a couple other movies
1: i mean inglorious is up it's there too man. yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: about <laughs> as good yeah, yeah i think um all right any other thoughts i hope you rewatch it
1: soon it's no really i i plan on it we yeah. read, I, we just saw once upon a time in hollywood meeting some friends when it, when it came out yeah a couple weeks ago and even then after that we were like so is it bad that I want to rewatch it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> do I do I want to? Yeah, want to go spend another three hours watching? it? I yeah, kind of do. I mean, for those who haven't seen it yet, check it out.
0: So and uh, like three or four of his movies are on Netflix right now. And mm-hmm. um, Reservoir Dogs is not. I had to rent it on iTunes. But um, Pulp Fiction's on there. Jackie Brown's on there. Mm-hmm. And The Hateful Eight's on there.
1: That's right. And now that the it's like the the series because the they split into four parts. The, the full extended version of The Hateful Eight. Yeah. And now it's like four seven yeah. parts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, and I know I'm a ter- lot of
1: people that are I haven't seen the, the four part split yet, but I'm I hear that. It there's I've actually not significant seen them yet. Yeah. Oh, man, it's really I, I really like that, that was one, one
0: that I missed. Yeah, I'm going to definitely watch it soon, though. But yeah, um, the films of Quentin Tarantino. I would recommend those. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> yes. Um, which is not a grand statement. But again, on these early episodes, like I'm going with more basic obvious things um and then once i go through all of those um i'll get into more i think more of the moment things things that aren't as obvious on on pics but yeah Mm -hmm. these are my all-time favorite things things that shape me in these first several episodes so Mm -hmm. um yeah uh i think that's gonna do it here um you want to plug those music dates again real quick
1: sure yeah again uh friday august 30th at the rhino it's vic g trio for middle of the map film fest and then do you know what
0: other bands are going to be on there like local bands off the top of your head
1: no nope
0: (laughs) there are i'm sure there are really great bands bands that we know
1: yeah Yeah. i can get it hold on
0: Um, meanwhile. But yeah, meanwhile. When's um, the... Sorry to put you on the spot. No, no,
1: you're good. Thursday, October 24th at Record Bar with Hembrian Mating Ritual. That'll be a Pink Royal show. And we're playing again at The Brick on November 9th.
0: Pink Royal is? Yes. Nice. Dude, I'm gonna be at the Record Bar a lot at the end of October because I'm gonna see the Midnight Hour with Ali Shehid Muhammad and Adrian Young. Oh yeah, Young, nice. Uh, that Monday after your show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I guess it's I'll be there be. too. Yeah. Yeah, you should go see that <laughs> yeah. and listen to that album. I talked about it in the last episode. It's okay. so Good. We'll do. Yeah. Will do. Um. All right. I think that's gonna do it. Um. Thanks again to Vic G. Thanks for having me. Man. Yeah, man. I'm glad we could do this. This is a lot of fun. Just talking about cool stuff we like um thank you to my good buddy sheldon adams who was actually in town this weekend from seattle one of my, my best friends I, I don't think you've ever met him um but one of my best friends since fifth grade did the awesome logo he's really good at photoshop oh yes, looks yeah. Great, yeah um he was in town for the weekend from seattle got to hang out with him on friday you're the best man thanks again for the awesome logo i expressed my gratitude in person on friday but wanted to thank you over the airwaves again um thank you to raz or raz again not sure how you say his name but the awesome producer who made uh the intro outro music to this podcast it's an essential Super element dope. to the show i think mm-hmm. um really encapsulates me i was gonna show. say it is
1: very you as yeah well, yeah. well
0: uh, I think I talked about this on a previous episode, but I wanted a tribe called Quest-like beat. Yeah. So that's exactly <laughs> that what I entered on YouTube because I knew there were like aspiring producers like him huh. who, um, who made beats like that and would like offer for like non-profit mm. things to use them. And I found this, nice. got permission from him, and yeah, it's, it's a great part of the show. Um, recording. I'm recording another podcast uh, tomorrow um gonna I'm n- I'm gonna probably release these uh two weeks apart um like I've been wanting to do there obviously there have been some complications and sorry it's been about three weeks per ep- uh, between episodes but um I'm banking up episodes um our next episode is gonna be with uh local singer songwriter Cat King oh who nice. uh opened for Pink Royal that's right a few yeah. weeks ago mm-hmm. like three weeks ago f- a month ago um at the Rhino um, who's super awesome, super nice. Um, and I mean, she's and playing middle of the map
1: first. Yeah, she yeah. is, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so I'm very excited to uh, talk with her. So look out for that. And um, other than that, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Uh, go out and discover...